Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Natasha Williams. And I'm Stacey Ann Buchanan. Thank you for joining us today. So, as you know, I say it all the time. You know me already. We have another (laughs) powerful, powerful guest. Awesome guest. Yes. So let me just tell you guys a little bit about her and then we'll get to hear about her amazing journey. So um, Shelly Mache, beautiful name. Beautiful name. (laughs) Shelly Mache is a certified life purpose coach, speaker, and women's change agent. She is extremely passionate and dedicated to the empowerment of women through strategized personal and professional development. She is the author of 70 Days of Happy, Life is Better When You Smile, and the founder of the woman's organization, The Power Powerful woman. I like that. I know. I love that too. (laughs) Shelly challenges women to take responsibility for the actions, both, both positive and destructive of the person staring back at them in the mirror while reminding them of the fact that they are powerful, valuable, and unique. Some of her features include Yahoo, Bustle, Ask Men, Authority Magazine, and BYU Radio. Oh, wow. have mercy. Wow. This the, uh, power, as I said, powerhouse. Powerhouse. And what I'm so fascinated with her is how not everybody's journey is the same. Exactly. And the reason I say that is, is because, you know, everyone's journey is different, as I mentioned, but some people will, you know, seek professional intervention for for mental illness. And some may not, but it doesn't mean that you still not can't receive, you cannot receive your healing. Exactly. And some people, it just could be a word. It could be something somebody says to you. Indeed. Just that one thing, that one, that one moment mm-hmm. that just turns your life around that you needed to hear. That's it. That's and I, and it. I, and I, and I, and with Shelly's story, it's, it's, it's so intriguing and so powerful and, and, and just gems dropping <laughs> from yes. day, just dropping gems after gem after gems. I saw a quote and this quote is so beautiful and resonates so much with Miss Shelly Mache, and it goes like this. My strength is not defined by what I continue to carry. It is defined by what I decide to put down and walk away from. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. You know what? That quote, absolutely powerful, and it sums her up so well. Yes. Listeners, we are in for a treat. And so let's let's hear uh, Shelly Mache's story. Let's go. Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. Why don't we jump right into it and and if you could please tell us your story. Yes. Well, I grew up 
in a single family home. My mother was um, was a single parent, and so I had the opportunity, and I like to use the word opportunity, that I had the opportunity to witness my mom be, you know, the typical strong black woman, yes. you know, taking on everything, doing everything for her family, working hard, paying all of the bills. Um, I grew up walking to a big building where she would pack snacks for me and we would wait all day for her name to be called. And I didn't know at that time that those trips that we took was a trip to the welfare office. And she would make little fun trips for me because she knew that we were going to be there all day. And so so she (laughs) had instilled, you know, she had instilled in me this presence of you get things done. You don't complain. You, you Mm. make things work. Mm. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing to instill in me because I do make things happen and get things done. But what it also said to me is that you don't break. Thank you. You don't let Thank yeah, you. You don't let anyone see you break. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. And I and I and I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of us, and especially in our community, we don't really talk about the what I call the strong black woman syndrome. Um, right. You know where you know I would never say you know for you know for us as black women to not be strong. Yes. Right. Because I right. think and I think that that lesson serves us well. Um, but when we lose our humanity. Yeah. As a result of that message where we're not mm-hmm. allowed, we're not allowed to be human. We're not allowed to break. As you mm-hmm. said, we're not allowed to ask for help when we, right. when we need it, you know, that's where that now message becomes our, our burden and it's not, yes. and it's not fair to us. So thank you for even bringing that, because bringing that up, because I think that it's definitely, um, something that happens in our community yes. way too often. And it's a dialogue that we have to address in our community because mm-hmm. I think it is, so ca- true. it is causing us so much harm in our community. So thank you for even even starting off by bringing that up. Thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you for even taking the time. This platform is where we begin to change those things mm. because I've said it I've said it before. It's not that my mother was wrong in right. being that type of an example. It's that she didn't know any other way to be. Thank you. Exactly. And so if she were to break, then possibly she could have put something off on me that she didn't want. She didn't want me to mm-hmm. look at her as the person who couldn't handle things, not understanding that your tears mean that does not take away from you at all. Amen. And yes. so that's how I grew up, mm. that you, you make it happen. You keep silent, you know, to yourself. You go into the bathroom, you know, or whatever, and you come out like everything is perfect. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so... When life began to not be perfect for me, I didn't know what to do. And that's the downfall of not being able to have that example that says, it's okay for you to need me to lift you up because you fail. When I fail, I did not know where to turn. Mm -hmm. I did not know what to do. I did not know what depression um, looked like. I did not know that I even had the right to reach out. For help. I mm. felt embarrassed. I felt weak. I felt like I, I must not be saved because I am a Christian. So I mm. felt like obviously I'm not saved because I wouldn't be, you know, going through this. 
You're black, you're saved, you got Jesus. What is the problem? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, you are, just with what you're saying, I'm just like... It's it's a it's a dialogue in our community that I find that happens way too way often. too often way too often we, yes. we we have this weight that we carry as black women oh. where we have to make sure that everything is put together and God forbid yes. we get angry Thank you. and show the angry black woman syndrome mm-hmm. when we have so much carrying on our shoulders the weight of the world there's so many things that we have to deal with but we have yes. to keep it together. Oh, yeah. We cannot show our emotions. We just have to pull through. Got to be strong and just suck it up. Thank you. And like you said, we you right. have Jesus. We have everything. So we just have, we just have to go. And it's that huge stigma of shame. Mm. It's that veil yes. of shame that we wear all the time that prevents mm-hmm. us from asking for help. Because in our community, we see how asking for help is a sign of weakness. I got this. Right. How mm. many times have we said, I got this? Mm. You know, my goodness. And the other thing I just wanted to mention as well, before we, you know, hear more about your story is, is also bringing up the, the, um, the issue of religion. Yes. And how, you know, yeah, you know, if you've got Jesus, there's no way you can be depressed or there's no way you can have mental illness. Yes. Because if, if your, if your faith is strong, there's no way you should be feeling those type of feelings. Oh my God. Quote unquote. So then now on top of this black woman syndrome that we have, and then the stigma of mental illness within the black community, we also have another layer of Christianity or religion and how, how they see mental illness as well so let's add another layer to all of this yes as as well so um you know so i mean just with the few minutes that you've been sharing your story you've hit you've hit you're hitting (laughs) some (laughs) hardcore points shelly you're hitting everything (laughs) so what i would love to to hear from you shelly is sort of again i think uh, where you were um you were going to start to go is starting to talk about sort of the circumstances Mm -hmm. um that sort of started the sort of the spiral down as you started to talk a little bit about sort of your depression what were your specific circumstances or where were you at your life where you started to notice some of these things I was, I ended up becoming a single mom. So Uh I was a single mom to this, to this wonderful um, little girl, but this little girl was just into everything. She was smart. She was active and, you know, and she was just all over any, anything that you could think of. She's, she's bouncing off the wall. She's doing this. She's doing that. You know, um, I had endured a really, really bad uh, breakup with her father. So I was trying to be a good mother and I was trying to get over the pain of, of the relationship on to top that off. I was doing this, like I said, by myself. And so I had a full-time job that I was, um, that, that was pushed on top of this. So I had the pressures of my job. I had the pressure of being a single mother. I had just moved out, you know, um, not too long before. So everything financially was, was on me. Plus, you know, the pain of, of the relationship and trying to, to kind of, you know, work through that in, in my own strong way. Yes. It began to, to crack, and I didn't understand. I began to slowly fall into a um, a solemnness, mm. tears every day, okay. um, not understanding why why I couldn't move on, and then to have a daughter who was so into everything, and to have a daughter who you know you tell her to sit down somewhere. It's it's a lot going on when you're trying to get your mental together. Mm. To have a child who just does not want to obey does not help. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, so it sounds now, like now I felt like I was a terrible mother because oh. I couldn't even, you know, get my child to sit down and eat a cookie. So now I felt like I was a, a bad mom. <laughs> and then to top it off, I'm going to church every week, and you're telling me, you know, about the joy of the Lord and the this and the that. So now I'm banging myself on the head even more saying, well, you're just not, you know, you're not a good Christian, or you just don't have the love of the Lord, or you just don't have this. I'm going to work every day, and I and I worked in the entertainment industry, which is very pressurous, and right. it's like, you know, move, 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 move. And so I had no break. Oh, and like, man. I literally had no break mentally. And one day, I just literally found myself um, on my floor rocking, just oh, like rocking oh, back and forth. Oh, and I, I knew at that time, for whatever reason, even though I didn't really understand depression and things like that, I knew at that time when I was rocking back and forth on the floor, I knew I was having a mental breakdown. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Okay. And I sat on the floor, and it's just the craziest thing. My daughter was in was in the bed, and I was just on the floor, just going back and forth. And I didn't feel pain. I felt very numb, right. but I knew that I, I was going to die. And that was kind of my feeling. I wanted uh-huh. to die, oh and I felt like I know I'm going to die. So I want this process just to move forward. So I laid there. After I finished rocking, I laid in a fetal position and I cried and I begged God that night to please kill me oh my God. because there's nothing, there's nothing more that I can give. I, I'm a terrible mother. I, I don't even know who I am as a person. I'm not this strong black woman that I'm supposed to be. I can barely get through my job. I'm smiling every day and I'm dying inside. And then when I reached out to a friend to just kind of tell him without telling him that it was me who was going through this, he laughed and said that whoever that person is, honey, they crazy. You need to stay away from from her. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, my, my. I mean, that just sounds so overwhelming like just almost like like the the vision that i just got was just like walls caving in yeah you know just so much happening but also feeling helpless to do anything and then the one person you decide to reach out to um and again again this is where the the stigma of mental illness again we don't we don't even use the right language never mind that we just don't see mental illness as what it is an illness a sickness you know whatever exactly. the case may be no that person's crazy you need to stay far away, away from, from them, them. It's yeah. like, it's like that's the, exactly what he told me he know, said oh. he said that person is crazy and you need to run from her oh. and so after he told me that i said well there's no hope right. and that's when i began to start begging god to kill me i said because there then there's no hope i i can't i can't call anybody I can't talk to anybody. I feel like a failure. I'm not supposed to have to talk to somebody about this type of stuff. What is wrong with me? So what is my use for being in the world? I might as well just die. Oh, your words are touching me because I I remember when I was going through my depression and I had a cat at the time and I was on the floor and I was just bawling and I and I said very similar words to what you're saying very very similar words for God to just take me because there's no purpose of me living I 
I've I've not done anything with my life. I've gone through so much. I was so sick, and and I just remember my my cat licking my tears. And if you ever had a cat, you know the cat's oh. tongue is really coarse, <laughs> yeah. but like that was like the little comfort that I got when I was crying out. But I remember being on the floor it was my living room floor in the fetal position as well, mm. and just bawling out to God, like just crying, saying, "Just please take my life," because. Being the Christian that I am, I believe if yeah. I take my own life, I'm going to go to hell. Right. So, so please so, take, so it, so for, God, take for it for me. me. Take it for me. Right. That you know? was my whole thing. I was like, well, I can't do it myself, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I may not be forgiven. And, yeah. you know, so, but if you do it, God, nobody is going to question. And exactly. even in that state, I was concerned about my mother and I was concerned about my daughter. And I said, you know, if you take my life, instead of me taking it, my mother will never have to live life wondering what she did wrong. Mm. So I don't want to take my own life and put that burden on Mm. her. And then I need you to kill me away from my daughter so that that burden is not on her. Wow. My goodness. So, you know, you've now taken us to this point where you, you know that you are having a, a mental breakdown. Our next question then is, how did you address this? Where do we, where do you go from there? I really have to say, and it almost makes me emotional every time I think about it, because I really have to say that it really was only God Mm. who took me out of this Mm. because I never sought help. Remember, my friend said I was crazy. So I'm like, I'm never going to open my mouth again, ever. And so I ended up beginning to hear voices and those voices, you know, I was just screaming for those voices to stop, to please stop. And I hated the nighttime because that's when the voices would start. So I tried to keep myself busy all the time so that my head was silent. And so what ended up happening is, um, like I said, I I just, I couldn't take it um, anymore. And I got up one day and took my daughter to school. And when I went to to work, I guess for some reason, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't keep things to myself anymore because I had done a great job of going and smiling and, and whatever and breaking down, you know, later. But I guess this particular day, I accidentally said something that I wouldn't normally say. And I looked at my boss, who was um, also a Christian, and I said to her, you know, well, what's, what's the use? What's the use of even being here? Who cares? You know, I'm ready to die right now, and I wish that I could die right now. And I don't even know why I said it. And she looked at me, and then she smiled. And it was kind of weird to me. And I'm like, you're smiling? And she said, girl, you might as well go ahead and live. God don't want no sad people in heaven. (laughs) And I fell out laughing. (laughs) What a brilliant response. (laughs) And and I tell people all the time, now don't ever say that to anybody who's depressed. They may not take it the way I did. Right, right, right. But I laughed. And I laughed for real. This time it wasn't a fake laughter. This time it wasn't me pretending. I had a genuine laugh, which was something I hadn't felt in probably a good one or two years. Oh, man. And so when I, when I began to laugh, for some reason I turned around and I said, maybe there's hope. Hmm. 
Hmm. I said, I laughed today for real. And if I can laugh today, then maybe I can laugh again tomorrow. My goodness, that sounds like that that was sort of the the, the catalyst or the aha moment for you. Yes, Hmm. that was it. That was the sunshine that I needed. Because with that, I was able to go and look at my daughter. I couldn't even look at my daughter and really find a reason to live. But that day, I looked at my daughter and I said, I know that I've asked you to kill me, God. I said, but I don't want her story to end at four. I don't want our story to end at four. So you have to give me a reason. And again, I get emotional. Sorry. No, no, no. Do not apologize. Shelly, do not apologize. Do not. I get a little emotional. Of course. It's okay. When I think about the day that I looked at her, because that could have been my last day here. But I looked at her that day. And I said, I know that I've been asking you to kill me, but I don't want our story to end like that. Mm. I don't want our mother-daughter story to end. And she grows up without me. Mm -hmm. And so I just need to be able to find some reason to smile, you know, every day. I just need something. It doesn't have to be anything big, you know. I just need to know that there's something that I can take with me, you know, every day. And so I began looking for those things. Okay. Whether it was a bird, you know, who was singing, um, whether it was just me being grateful, you know, to be able to wake up and and get my, you know, my toddler ready. Mm. Whether it was the fact that we sat and ate breakfast together, you know, she would sing in the car. So I began to, to, you know, take those things and let that begin chipping away at some of my, my heartache. Um, and then I began to take the, the steps that I needed to allow myself to heal from a broken relationship. My daughter was um, ADHD, so I began to work more with her and transfer some of my heartache into pouring more into to her and creating schedules for her and doing things like that. Uh, more mommy-daughter activities, which I had already done before, but I just upped it, you know, our movie time and our this time. And so God really used my boss right. and my daughter to show me sunshine. Uh-huh. I tell people all the time, don't do not do it my way. If, if at all possible, reach out, mm-hmm. talk to somebody, get those resources. I praise God every day that he walked me through, but you don't have to go through that season by yourself right. like I did. Right. I right. thank him for using my daughter because everybody can't even look at their kids and, and feel, you know, feel enough to be able to come out. It doesn't work that way for everybody. Right. Sometimes it's just too much and it's, it's just, it's just too strong. Sometimes mm-hmm. the weight is just too heavy. Wow. So don't wait. Don't wait until it's too heavy. Right. Let's get those those, you know, tools and let's recognize those things now that are taking us to that spiral instead of us waiting until we're in that spiral. Okay. 
Okay. Oh my goodness. I find what what's fascinating with what you have just shared with us is it's almost we call it like a shift in mindset because a lot of times when you are in a depressive state um, and with my with my patients um, as a clinical psychologist I do aim to to try and you know help clients understand the shift in thinking Mm -hmm. because a lot of times these things that were around you it's not like that they weren't happening before but when you are in a state exactly so when you are in a a state of depression where everything is dark and cloudy we almost see things from a tunnel vision perspective Mm -hmm. which means we will only filter in and see what confirms that darkness so right so for example your daughter may have been singing beforehand or you know may you may have been right. having, you may have been yeah. having breakfast with your daughter beforehand or you know so all of these things would have been happening but when you are in that depressive state you filter those things out and yes. you only see things from a tunnel vision perspective so what it sounds like god had done for you is allow your perspective to to allow your perspective to be broadened so you know you have the ability to be able to see more so see it's it's called a balanced perspective right so you're able to see um, things a lot clearer or see more of what is going on versus just what your 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 mood or the darkness at that time will will show you. So now what happens yes. is is now when you're getting information that doesn't confirm that darkness, it starts to poke holes in that darkness. I totally agree because you said something that's very interesting, even something as simple as having breakfast with her before it was, okay, I now I'm forced to have to get up. And, you know, mm. I can't just be here. I have to get up and feed you. I'm for, you know, so I, the, the way I was looking at it was, you know, this is just, it's, it's horrible for me that I'm forced to have to get up and, and take, and, you know, and serve you breakfast. Mm. I didn't, uh, and I still sat down with her and would eat breakfast and things with her. But again, as as you've stated, when I began to to open my eyes just a little bit more, it became okay. Let's spend time together during breakfast. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And I was able to take those things, and those were things that made me smile. Instead of it being things that bought, you know, uh, a feeling uh, a feeling dreadful, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, Shelly, where would you say that you are right now in your life? I thank God because I am in a happy place. Yes, <laughs> amen. I I am in a happy place. You know, of course, and um, there no life is perfect, so there's still been things in life that have, you know, um, pushed me down. But what I really can say is I recognize those times where I may be falling into a a depression because of some things that may be going on. I know what I can do to help to keep me from spiraling. And I know that I deserve to be able to have peace of mind. That's not something that's negotiable. That is a different mind frame. I didn't think I was worthy of being able to have that type of peace before. I thought I was weak. 
So now I understand that has nothing to do with me being weak or less of a person, less of a woman, less of a mother. That is what's needed for me to be able to to keep balance and peace mm. and to keep my, my joy. Yes. I need to be able to do certain things. So when I feel myself becoming overwhelmed, I thank God that I have a family that I can sit down and just shed my tears and they just know, okay, you know, we're there to, to be there. If she needs us there, we're, you know, if she needs to be by herself, that's fine. They'll come back and check on me, you know, bring me some tea. <laughs> <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> it's beautiful. So having, having them, having that, that, you know, support that's in my house, yes. that has made such a difference. Sometimes, you know, I have to scream in my pillow in order to release some pressure, but it's not a thing in my house like, well, what are you doing? Well, why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? It's a thing of, okay, she needs her space. Mm -hmm. And that is needed for me in my home. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. I, I so appreciate hearing this because, you know, you go from First of all, trying to share what's going on with you when somebody just saying, no, 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 run far away from that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to now having the support in your home, the, the supports are around you. you. You have now a sacred space where it is a safe, sacred space. Yes, yes, yes. Those are keys. And, and no one is looking at me like something is wrong. Mm. And, you know, no one is going... What's the problem? No, everyone in my household, we're free to have those feelings. And no one in here looks at any other person like it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And that is a space that I am, I'm very grateful to be in, Amen. where everyone in my household if you need to scream into your pillow, do it. If you need to cry, do it. Not too long ago, my oldest daughter, she literally um, had a bad bout with anxiety. And she could hardly function because it had become so serious, her anxiety. Wow. And so I was so happy that as a family, we were able to not look at that as a strange thing, but to say, okay, this is what you're going through right now. It is okay. Let's find the triggers and then let's look for someone who you can sit down with and you can talk to. But until we do that, you know, as a family, let's see what those triggers are. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's pushing that so that we can try to do our best, you know, to, um, to, to be gentle with that. Right. And then she was able to sit down with a therapist, which really helped her hone what the anxiety was, what to do when it happens, how to bring yourself back. This could have, you know, I look at that and I am just so, I don't even know the word, elated that it's a different time for her than mm -hmm. it was for me. Yes. And now, Shelly, did she come to you and tell you that she has anxiety or you notice little differences? It, was a, it was a little bit of both. both. I don't okay. even know if she knew that it was anxiety. But when she would talk about turning, you know, 25 and talk about things in life, you could just see that, you know, her body would tense up. Okay, okay. And you can see that her face would, would change. I don't think we were sure about it at first. You know, I think at first we just thought, oh, maybe she's, you know, just just talking, just saying, hey, you know, this is going to be a, a, a different time. Because people do do that. Oh, wow, I'm getting ready to turn 25. It's going to be kind of this, yeah. that, that. I have to really get together. But the more that I began to see her, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she says, you know, I, I think I'm panicking. 
about this new new part of my life. I, I feel like I'm in a panic. I can't breathe. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. Wow. She's like, I think I'm having anxiety. And she was in a full-blown anxiety attack. Mm, wow. Okay. To where she could, you know, she could hardly breathe. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think it, I think it's so commendable as a parent and then as a unit in your family that you guys are so supportive because there's so many young people that will be going through this and and find it so difficult and so hard to tell a parent or tell anyone what they're going through. And so they are struggling with this all on their own, because so many times when I do um, public speaking at schools, you'll hear the thing where I can't go to a parent and say, I have this or I have that or I'm struggling because they're going to say, well, you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back. you got a cell phone. What is it that need that you need to be uh, worried that's about? Just so not true. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's, it's so important that you have evolved into this parent where your daughter, your your kids, your children can come to you and and express things that are that are so what we in our community would consider shameful. You know, they can come to you and say, you know what, this is how I'm feeling. And then you can react and you can address it in a way that is so supportive because so many parents will dismiss it. And they're not wrong per se in dismissing it. It's just a generational teaching and how they were right. taught how mental mm. health is and how they should address it. Oh, read your Bible and drink some tea. That was my oh. thing. My dad, that's how my dad felt that I could cure my depression was drink some tea and read my Bible and pray. Wow. So when yes. you've been through it, and, and, and it's like you're breaking that cycle. Mm. You're breaking the cycle of, of, of what you see your mom as a strong black woman did. You're breaking that cycle. And you're evolving and you're showing strength in a different way. And, and it's showing in your kids and your children for them to come to you and say that. So I, I just want to say, I, I just had to tell you that. Because I know for yeah. young people, it is so hard for them to... Ex- they will probably talk with friends, but to bring it home in their home and tell mommy or daddy... No, you you don't you don't you don't show that way. You don't you don't you don't act like that. So for them to come in and and for your daughter to come and express that, and and for how you receive it, it's so commendable. And I and I'm thank and I, you so yeah. much. Thank you. And I really I don't wish the I don't wish depression, suicidal thoughts, and and that feeling of isolation and just hopelessness. I don't wish that on anyone. But I do tell people. I think. I'm more gentle right. towards others because of my own experience. Yes. Yes. That you absolutely know. makes sense. Yeah. You yes. know, I'm, I, I, I don't want other people to have to experience that, but if I see it in someone, my arms are open to you to want to help you mm-hmm. and to try to help you find resources and tools. Your life, is precious to me uh-huh. and I want you to see it as precious as well. Oh, amen. Amen Absolutely. to that. You know, I think that forays, I think into one of our last Those questions, questions we have, we have one, one question and then we'll also have a fun question as well. I like to call it the fun the question. Fun question yes. Yes. <laughs> so the, 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 one of the last questions we have for you, and I think you've already started to talk about it, but if you could elaborate on this, how can we change the stigma of mental illness in our black community? Uh, I think we begin to change it. I really do think we begin to change it at home. Mm. I think if I think if we begin to show our children the love and the support that we didn't get, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not yes. blaming you know parents for not being able to give that. It's something that we've learned, and so I think that if we change what was taught to us, 
and we teach something different I mean, yes, to the yes. children in our home, then their minds become more open. Right. And now they don't view anxiety, depression, you know, schizophrenia. They don't view those things as something that we need to run from. Mm. But instead, they have more compassion. I think when it comes to mental illness, we've taken away the compassion. Yes, yes. that's so true. We don't have compassion for that person. And I think that if we can get, get that back and look at that person as our fellow man and have a heart for that person, we wouldn't be so quick to throw them away. That's right. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So let's get into the fun question. The fun question. So yes. this is... This yes. Is... <laughs> let's get to fun. <laughs> okay, Shelly. So this, this question came about, and I will give you the backstory of it. I was at work one day, and I went to the water cooler, and I saw this sign that says, take one thing for your mental health. And there were a list of words, and they were cut up in little um, rectangular shape, and you could just take the one that you want. And so I've decided to implement it into this podcast and to ask our guests, what is one word, just one word that will um, sum up and describe your journey with mental illness? That will describe my journey. My goodness. <laughs> it's I would probably have to say enlightening. That's probably a Ooh, boring answer, but no, 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 no not at no. all. Please explain. You know, <laughs> and, and then you got to elaborate a little elaborate bit on, on enlightening. Yes, yes, please. You know, my, my journey through, um, through mental illness at the end of it, it gave me, a brand new awakening. It gave me an awakening that I'm I'm not this horrible person. It gave me an awakening to be able to look at other people and not be so quick to judge yes. their situation. Because when I opened up myself to somebody, you called me crazy. You basically made me feel like I, I, I wasn't worthy of being human. And so it gave me an awakening. And so now I'm able to look at, at other people and not go, uh, you know, you're just this or you're just that. No, I don't know what happened in your life. I wasn't somebody who was, you know, um, homeless or walking around or like had completely lost lost my mind or anything. I was, I was a working woman with a child. You know, you looked at me and said, oh, you should be this way. And you didn't give me the freedom to say life has become difficult and I have to fall for a moment. Can you please help me up? I didn't get that freedom to be able to feel that way. So I became more enlightened that just because I see you in the grocery store and you're smiling and you're giving me a hug, that doesn't mean that you're going to, that you're not going to go home and take a bottle of pills. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. yes. So true. So true. Wow. So I, I really believe that my journey, it enlightened me and opened up my eyes to not take things so much at face value, but check on people, love right. people, yes. say hi to people. Yes. Your yeah. smile could save someone. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Shelly, thank you so much thank you. For, for sharing your story, for enlightening and, us. Enlightening us. And my hope <laughs> is that enlightening our listeners as well. Um, you know, God bless you. Thank you. So, thank you guys so for much. having me. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I I have had such a wonderful time with um with you guys and I didn't know that bringing back my story again would just like hit me so emotionally, oh. but it's just it's a it's a feeling 
of of going back there, but also a feeling of being grateful and just knowing that this day wouldn't even be here mm-hmm. had that day happened the way I wanted it to. So it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just an opportunity to just be grateful. And I just thank you guys for allowing me to be able just to even you know, um, be in my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, you know what, and, and thank you for that because to me and, um, you know, and I believe Stacey Ann as well, Yes, this is the reason for the podcast. Exactly. I mean, we wanted to have a space where judgment-free, mm-hmm. um, safe space where we can be open to share whatever it is. It's yes. not about perfection. It's not about putting on this strong black woman mask or, no. or whatever. We are free to be who we need to be. Absolutely. Because, you know, just as diverse as our black community is, our experiences are oh. too. And we need yes. to make sure that we have a, we that we created a platform so that we can yes. do that. You said that so beautifully. Oh. Like it's <laughs> that everything. That was that was awesome. <laughs> Should, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you so thank so. You've reached the end of another episode of the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.